The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Welcome to Chat Chat, the people's sports talk radio show on WNRI, with your host, Bradley Shatraw. And we are back with the Chat Chat Radio Show here on WNRI. Over the weekend, we saw the Patriots get a big win for, I mean, if you look at the outlook of their season, just for their season in general, that was a big win last night for the Patriots. The Dallas Cowboys also overcame losing their starting quarterback, Dak Prescott, and got a win in Minnesota on a primetime Sunday night football game. I'll be talking some Red Sox offseason moves. I'm also going to touch on the Celtics' struggles out of the gate so far here. But tonight... I think it's obvious we should start with the New England Patriots. They upset the Chargers yesterday 27-24, to and it was a big win for them to get to 4-4 four and four on the season. I mean, I said last week, I really didn't think this was a good football team. But yesterday makes me second-guess that statement because you look at what they were able to do. They won despite a so-so day from Mac Jones. I mean, it definitely wasn't his best day by any means. The defense came up with big stops, and they had some huge turnovers that ultimately were the reason for winning that game. The running game was pretty good all day. Damian Harris, 80 rushing yards and a touchdown. And Bill Belichick had a great day coaching. I mean, he confused Justin Herbert. Herbert admitted it after the game that some of the looks were just overall confusing. Obviously, it wasn't as bad as last year's performance by the Chargers against the Patriots. But nonetheless, it was another big win against what some... I mean, consider to be an AFC contender. I mean, you look at the landscape of the AFC, the Chargers are up there on the teams that really can make a run at this thing out of the AFC because, like I'm saying, I mean, it, it's wide open. And, you know, bad football teams, which is basically what I said the Patriots were last week, they can't win unless their QB plays well. And Mac Jones was 18 for 35. He passed for 218 yards, zero touchdowns. So, it's not like he went out there and balled out by any means. And it was a full team SP. A full team effort. I mean, you look at all aspects of this team. They did their job. I mean, that's what everybody wants to say the slogan of this team is. And that's what rang true yesterday. You know, the Chargers are a team, like I said, that some people are considering to be one that could make a push here. And that was just, it was an upset. No way around it. It was a big win for the Patriots. And it was an upset. It was not a game that they should have won. And the Patriots going from 2-4 and four to a 4-4 four and four team. That may not be bad, but they're the definition of average at the moment. Four and four is average. But Pats fans should be excited about what they're, what they're getting and, and the fact that they are getting better. I mean, they're on the right track now with the Carolina Panthers coming up in their schedule. I mean, you look ahead and some injuries have made their next four games here very winnable. I mean, the Panthers have trended down for a month now. That's their next game. And then Cleveland is dealing with Baker Mayfield's injury to his shoulder. Now, it's not the throwing shoulder, but he didn't look great against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. I mean, uh, uh, yesterday. And at the end of the day, I mean, he's, he's playing through an injury that is compromising his play on the field. Now, it's still to be seen if they're going to move on to Case Keenum, see if, if, if that's the way to go. Because at least he's 100% healthy. But right now, they seem to be intent on allowing Baker Mayfield to get out there if he is medically cleared to do so. And I just don't think they're 
the team we saw week one by any means anymore. They are a very beatable football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who have not been great this year, just got out of there with a win. And it's a very winnable game for the Patriots moving, I mean, moving forward down the line after that Panthers game coming up. Atlanta, the Falcons, are just not a good team this year. I think we all know that. They play a lot of really ugly games, but have not been able to come out on the winning side of most of those games. And now the Tennessee Titans were, that was going to be a tough, tough game. But they're going to be without Derrick Henry now. And we all know that is the main part of their offense. That's how they run their offense. They go through Derrick Henry and everything fills around. Now, they'll be bringing Adrian Peterson in. Maybe they'll make a trade at the deadline for somebody to kind of fill that hole. But it's not going to be Derrick Henry. They're not going to have the effect that Derrick Henry has on this offense. So the next four games on the Patriots' schedule are all very winnable. I mean, if we're being honest, they should win three out of four of those. I mean, there's a real chance this team could be 7-5 and five or even 8-4 and four heading into Buffalo late in this season. This Chargers win has truly opened up a path for this team to make the playoffs, which seems insane to say with where they were at two weeks ago. The AFC is wide open. There is not a juggernaut. The Chiefs are struggling right now. I mean, me... I think that Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. I think they are the ones that should win the AFC. But they're not unbeatable. And I don't think the Patriots will beat them in the regular season this year. I don't think they would beat them if they saw them in the playoffs. But I think my whole point here is that there's just not a team that in the AFC that is going to be some type of juggernaut in this schedule for the Patriots moving forward. Now... Patriots fans, they really should have an entirely different attitude about where this team is at and where they're going with what I just said. But back to Mac Jones. I mean, it just was not his best day out there. I mean, he missed badly on some shots down the field. I will say I was excited to see the Patriots just take shots down the field because that hasn't been something in their play calling all season. It's been something that Bill Belichick has been quite reluctant to do ever since that New Orleans Saints game when he kind of allowed Mac Jones to air some things out and and see where he was at with the deep ball. And it, it just it didn't look great. But I mean, he never really got into a rhythm either yesterday, and that's something I think we've seen with Mac Jones as well, is he's a rhythm quarterback. If he, if he starts to make some, some simple throws over the middle, he can really string a drive together. I thought we saw that against Tampa even in the bad weather. We saw it against the Cowboys. So that's kind of where everything went haywire a little bit with Mac Jones, where he was just kind of a little below average, if we're being honest. But you go back to kind of what he did well, and he once again avoided the big mistake Mac Jones is not a guy that's going to go out there and put the ball in harm's way and make you win in spite of him it's just not who he's been so far in his NFL career and he also made a beautiful throw down the field to Nelson Aguilar so as much as he did struggle down the field throwing the deep ball I thought that pass to Nelson Aguilar showed he's got it in his game. It's just a matter of consistently being able to put that together. Now, one thing that's becoming evident to me is that Mac doesn't have a crazy high ceiling, but he does have a high basement. He may never be the flashy arm, and he's never, but he's also never going to be the reason they lose. I mean, Bill Belichick can work with that. I now understand why he's been so conservative in his play calling. I mean, maybe you want to say, all right, well, McDaniels calls the plays. Either way. 
I think that what what's what I think that is what comes down to them being so conservative in the play calling. He's aware that Mac Jones is not a guy that's going to hit on a lot of shots down the field. He can make the simple throws even into traffic. I mean, he doesn't put the ball in harm's way a lot. He understands the offense well enough to execute under pressure. We saw that in the Tampa Bay game. We saw that in the Dallas game. I guess you could even say we saw it in the Houston game because as bad as they played, he had to make some crucial throws in big spots and he was able to do that even though that's not a very good team. Now, the Patriots can work with this now that the AFC is wide open. Two weeks ago, I would have said this is never going to translate to wins. The whole conservative play calling and, and only making him make the simple throws. But all the Patriots need are wins against you know average to below average teams over the next month. You can beat the Panthers, Cleveland, Atlanta, even Tennessee with that simple football. And I say that due to the injuries on two out of the four of those teams. If they can get themselves enough of a cushion... Their schedule gives this team playoff hopes, which seems insane to say after the 2-4 and four start. And I'm going to say it right now. I do not think they're beating Buffalo this season. So I think that's two losses right there on the remainder of their schedule. I mean, they're my pick to win the AFC, like I said. Originally, it was the Chiefs. I'm, I'm out on Kansas City. I think there's just too many holes there. you got to be honest about what they are. I think Buffalo is the favorites in the AFC, in my opinion. But everyone else on their schedule is beatable with the simple football that they play. Good defense, control the possession, simple throws to move the chains, and just running in touchdowns. All of a sudden, I'm back to thinking this team has playoff chances. I mean, I think they'll get smoked first round, but I do think there's a chance they could sneak in there, which ultimately saves Bill Belichick. Because you think about the first month and a half of this season, it really wasn't looking good. You had the questionable late-game decisions. Obviously, I always bring up the Tampa game where it just did not make sense to kick that field goal. Nothing about it. But either way, I mean, he signed all those free agents with the big expectations, and they came out and lost four out of their first six games. But now they got back-to-back wins. Schedule lightens up, like I said. We know what Mac is, and it's not bad. Their wide receiver, tight ends, they're playing better. The offense is getting better, especially from what it looked like the first four or five games of the season. And their defense continues to show up. I mean, Matt Judon has been a godsend to the New England Patriots and a great free agent signing by Bill Belichick. All season, he has been the story of the defense, and he has taken this defense to a new level. They're a good de- they show up every week, and they're able to make stops for the most part when they need to make them. I mean, this team has a chance, and I don't think many people thought that two weeks ago where they were at. I, for one, definitely did not. This could change the near future of this team. I mean, you think about if they aren't going to make a run, if they are going to make a run with a rookie QB and even play a single playoff game, this season was a massive success because I think expectations changed once Cam Newton was announced that he wasn't going to be the starter and they were moving on to a rookie. I still obviously thought they had a, a decent roster because of the free agency moves, but I don't think anybody expected, you know, win a game in the playoffs or, or anything above that, maybe sneak in here. But they're starting to trend that direction. You know, no one thinks they're Super Bowl contenders, but they were supposed to be a good team at the beginning of this season. You know, it would show that they have a real future with this team, and it's not just a big question mark moving forward. But now there's no excuses. I mean, I just outlined the remainder of the season, and outside of Buffalo, they're all winnable games. As crazy as it seems to say... I think it's a letdown if they can't win six or more of the final nine games of this season because of their schedule. I mean, if I looked at the schedule and there were some real, real tough games there, I think my attitude would be a lot different. But they could drop a Tennessee or an Indy and two to Buffalo, 
But anything less than that would be underachieving, if we're being honest. And I say that because, you know, they've gotten themselves into a good, good spot halfway through this season. They're 4-4 four and four in a conference that does not have a lot of unbeatable teams, if any. Make no mistake about it, this team now has expectations. They're not just a cute story, okay? They were never supposed to be. It's time to execute. And they have the pieces to do that. They just have to execute. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatra on WNRI. If you live in North Smithfield, Woonsocket, or Barville and need a landscaper for this summer, Nick Dybala and 3D Lawn Care can take care of all your needs. 3D is known for their quality lawn care and specializes in hardscaping work as well. Call Nick to schedule a quote at 401-692-1631. Let them take care of your landscaping needs so you have more time to do what you enjoy. Groupfan.com is a website designed to cater towards the sports fan who wants more than just the traditional sports articles. They post articles about video games, sports cards, and the latest topics from various writers from southern New England. They're active on social media with videos from a list of analysts that includes me, Shat Chat host Bradley Shatraw. Visit Groupfan.com to get the full Groupfan experience you expect from those who know sports. Sports news, opinions, what's yours? Do you need a scratch or dent taken out of the body of your car? Visit Cody Auto Body in North Smithfield. It is located right next to Little General at 716 St. Paul Street. And with their state-of-the-art equipment and DuPont paints, owner Mike Cody will take care of all your needs. Give them a call today at 401-762-2883 or go in and talk to Mike directly. He has taken care of my car for years and I've never once been disappointed. You can visit their page on Yelp to get more information. are back yet again here with the Shat Chat Radio Show on WNRI. Call into the show 401-766-1380 or 401-769-0600. Tell me what you thought about the Patriots over the weekend. Tell me what you think about them moving forward. Tell me what you think about my prediction or not prediction but expectation that they should be able to get at least six out of the next nine games due to the injuries to some of their opponents and just fly out the path that they have moving forward outside of the Buffalo Bills. But before, or I guess, yeah, before anybody calls in, let me move on to the Dallas Cowboys because I thought last night was an incredibly impressive win for the Cowboys. I mean, you got to think about the fact that they went into this game not knowing if their quarterback was going to start. I think most people kind of assumed Dak would be out there. I even heard Chris Collinsworth talk about how he saw him in the pregame and said, oh, Dak's playing today. I mean, looked great. And it, it didn't seem like there was anything that was going to hinder him on the football field. But right before that game, it gets announced that Dak is not going to be their starter. So, all of a sudden, everything has to shift. Expectations shift you know, in different aspects of the team. The defense is going to have to play much better. The offense is going to have to be much more simple. And they're going to have to take care of the football. And for the most part, 
that's exactly what they did. I thought the defense played well all night. They forced Minnesota off the field in multiple situations that really could have allowed that game to get out of hand. Kirk Cousins didn't really play poorly. It was just a matter of good execution on the defensive end by the Cowboys. But the thing that surprised me the most was in that first half, they they really did not look good. I mean, they were hanging in there, and the score was still fairly close. But Cooper Rush was really struggling. It was becoming very apparent that it was going to look a lot different without Dak Prescott. I mean, as, as we all would know, there was a lot more simple throws. There was no shots down the field, handing the ball off when they should hand the ball off. Because Dallas is one of those teams, you never know. They'll throw on first down. Kellen, Ma- uh, Kellen Moore, he, he doesn't. He doesn't mind. He'll do that because he trusts Dak and his arm, and, and he wants to catch some teams off guard. But... I mean, you really think about the fact that they went into the game not even knowing if Dak would start, pretty much assuming that he would, but eventually get the news that it's going to be Cooper Rush in there. I mean, I can't say enough good things about their ability to still execute in that game. Now, obviously, that's a horrible loss for Minnesota. You have to wonder about the future of Mike Zimmer there because it's like that's a game you have to win. I mean, they had it at home backup quarterback and still just weren't able to get the win in that game but back to the Cowboys I mean I thought one of the most one of the biggest bright spots of the night was their wide receivers ability to adjust I mean you're you know you're not going to get any shots down the field now and you have to run extremely precise routes now that goes right into the strength of Amari Cooper that's exactly what he does well is he runs the correct route nearly every single time he's never going to be out of position I think that's what made him and Dak kind of so great together and his immediate impact when he had come over from the then Oakland Raiders to the Cowboys I mean, his ability to run routes, be in the spot that the quarterback expects him to be in, is second to none. He is truly one of the best when it comes to that, strictly route running. Now, CeeDee Lamb is another guy that really impressed me all night because he's a guy that's known for that deep play. He's known getting in the middle of the field and, and, and getting a, you know picking up big yardage. But he was another guy that was really able to execute on, on the, the 10, 12 yards downfield, get your defender to bite, turn around, ball is there. And that's what helped Cooper rush to settle in at the beginning of that second half and carry it all the way through the second half. The three-step drop, Bang, throw it to the guy, trust that he's going to be in the spot he's supposed to be in. And that was one thing that helped the Cowboys all night. Move the chains, move the ball down the field. And another thing was, I mean, the performance by Ezekiel Elliott. He didn't have the numbers, he didn't have the touchdown. But, man, he was a key part of their kind of ability to just overall make make a comeback, win that game at the end. He had that big play really at the end of the game. But I do have a caller, so I want to get to that right now. Welcome into Shot Chat. Going on, Sean. It's Jamal. Hey, Jamal. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, pretty good win for those Cowboys last night, huh? I know. I mean, it's one of those things where I went in with no expectation at all because I really don't know much about Cooper Rush. I know he has a really cool name, but but outside of that, I didn't know what to expect. And, I mean, like I said, it, it, it's impressive for them to be able to come out and adjust their entire game plan and still get a win. I mean, Minnesota's not the greatest team, but they were at home on Sunday night, and it's it, it's definitely an impressive win. Yeah, I expected the win. Um, you know, they're just, a, I think, Cowboys overall, more talented team. You know, once I saw it, they got the first deep shot touchdown. You know, I turned the game off and started doing something else because I just figured they would have gone to win that game. Uh, you know, with the, the Minnesota offense, you know, it's so, um, it's just so outdated and, you know, yeah. Kirk isn't just allowed to, you know, do much in that all. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the world or anything, but it's just, he's just so limited in that offense or whatever. I would agree. 
which isn't the same as what it used to be. So, you know, how Mike Zimmer is still a coach there is, you know, who knows how, but he definitely should have been caught up probably a while ago. Absolutely. I mean, you think about the status of Mike Zimmer right now. There, Minnesota has no choice but to, to look at that and wonder where this thing's heading and where the future's going because – like I said, I mean that's a win you have to have on a backup quarterback Sunday night at home. It was just it was a bad look on Minnesota all around, and it makes you wonder where they're going with Mike Zimmer at you know kind of at, at the head of the helm here. Yeah, exactly. And with you know with Kirk too, you know I like a lot of Vikings fans like to defend him. You know, say he's not the problem or whatever, but you know he's also not the solution. You know, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, so you know you got to move off of those guys. Um, Sooner or later, especially with the you know the young talent and receiver they have in Justin Jefferson. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's another thing too. I mean, Adam Thielen's nothing to sneeze at either. Obviously, he's not going to be probably part of the the distant future, but I mean, he he always seems to come through for them. They really don't have an excuse to not score points if you think about some of the key players they have on that offense. And last night it was just it was it seemed like it was hard to come by. It seemed like points were very hard to come by. Absolutely, and that's by design. That's why Diggs wanted to leave. The offense is just way too old. It's way too outdated. They got to get up. You know, with the modern NFL, you can't, you know, allow your quarterback to throw into these, you know, terrible type of schemes um, and expect, you know, just to execute. Yeah, no, absolutely. What did you think of the Patriots game? Um, I, w- I was caught off guard. I was a little surprised. I, I wasn't able to watch it. Before. I did go to the Bills game, so <laughs> yep. that was fun. But I- so I wasn't able to watch that. Um I was watching Tampa Bay and Saints when I got back home. But, I was, again, I was, I was very surprised, um, impressed. And, yeah, it gives them really a path um, to kind of, um, you know, get separation, trying to make a real wild card push here, you know. I thought the Patriots would, you know, be in the mix for the wild card at the beginning of the year. And then they started to kind of fade off or whatever. But, you know, they're not going away, you know. I don't think they win the division, but, you know, they're not going away like a lot of us in Buffalo. So, you know, definitely, you know, keep an eye on them. They could come in to that Monday night game having, you know, a pretty good record, a pretty good chance to do something. You know, they've been competitive in just about every single game besides the Saints game. Um, and so, you know, definitely a, you know, a force. I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs. Them or the Steelers, I'd be scared to death to face either of those teams. Yeah, I mean, one thing about kind of moving forward and maybe a confidence booster in a sense is the fact that Yesterday's game was the game all season that they've hung in and, and they, they, they've stuck around, but they weren't able to win. They just weren't able to execute in the big moments, and it ultimately resulted in, in a close loss. I mean, we saw it against the good teams like the Buccaneers and, and, and like the Cowboys, but yesterday they finally got that win. They were finally able to, to, to finish it off and, and actually come out with a W. And, and like I'm saying, I mean, you look at their next four games, the two tough games that you, you would have expected to be tougher ones, Baker's really struggling with that shoulder injury. It was evident that he's not even close to 100% against the Steelers. And the Titans, I have wonders about what they're going to be now without Derrick Henry because obviously he's such a big part of their offense. What's your opinion on the Titans moving forward here without Derrick Henry? Definitely got to be a big relief to me, of course, as a Buffalo fan and any other, you know, if you're a fan of any of these other contenders. Um, you know, the Titans are still going to be, you know, pretty, you know, they'll be a, you know, a pretty good offense, not, you know, as good as it'll be with Henry, but, you know, just the whole Henry factor, the effect he has on play, even if he's not having a good, you know, rushing game, just the effect he has on play action and whatnot, and, you know, tackling you and wearing you down over four quarters, I'm not having that threat there's going to be huge. Um, and so they are definitely, they, again, they have a division pretty much locked up, um, thanks to the Colts, you know, the travesty they've gone through this season, but they're probably not going to get much farther than, because they, they were on path to get the one seed, probably not going to get that now, probably wild card exits. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I would have to agree with you. It's still to be seen if Derrick Henry is going to come back towards the end of the year. But then you have to wonder, I mean, like you said, they do have a, a comfortable enough cushion, but you have to wonder how many games they drop from here to the end of the season, where they are heading into the playoffs and, and what matchup that dictates. But, uh, you know, one thing you talked about the Colts there, and I mean, that's another game on the Patriots schedule moving forward here that you kind of would have looked at and been like, well, that's going to be a decent team and that's going to be a tough game. And as much as it probably will still be a tough game because the Colts are still, you know, very uh, able to, to put up big points and, and stuff, but it seems like it's the inevitable Carson Wentz mistake in a big spot that has just caused them to crumble. Yeah, there's been a couple of games like that here and there. They've been devastated by injuries, defense especially the, the back end has been devastated by injuries. Um, but, yeah, there, there's been a couple of that this year. You know, during the Rams game, had a bonehead mistake. This just a, just a, I can't even explain the interception. It was just unbelievably horrible. Um, but he's overall, he's had, a, he's had a very good year. He's still, you know, probably not the MVP type quarterback we saw in 2017, but he's still a very good quarterback. Um, but, again, just moments like that, you know, kind of just brings you back, like, to how broken he must have gotten in Philly because that's just inexplicable. Absolutely, absolutely. So last thing here. So the Rams obviously made a big trade for Von Miller today, and it's one of those things where the rich got richer. I mean, their defense was already incredible, and now you add a guy like that into it. It, I mean, it it seems almost unbeatable. Do you see them winning the NFC, or you still have some kind of hope for Brady and the Bucs? Our last time they could start playing the defense they were playing last year, if they get healthy, I don't see how it. I don't see how they beat um, the Bucs. They got Brady's biggest weakness uh, they have an amazing pass rush mixed with pretty good coverage. You have the best, one of the best shutdown corners that we've had in, in quite a while, probably what, since Revis. Well, yeah, Revis, because yeah. it was more of a zone corner, I would yep. say. Um, so, yeah, one of the best shutdown corners we have probably since Revis. So, again, that's just crazy weakness right there. Um, again, they have, a, they have a tough schedule, tough division. So, again, it's going to be probably, if they do face, it's going to be at Tampa Bay, which will be a big advantage. Yeah. Um, but they got they got a tall class to climb. They got to you know, stop getting penalized, and they have to really get that defense fixed. You know, I'm not worried about the offense because they're definitely they're going to struggle regardless, even if they get stuff fixed. It's, that defense is going to have to help the Bucks stick in there during that you know playoff matchup, whether it's in division or championship game. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, I appreciate you calling in. I look forward to talking next week. Always, thank you. Have a good one. Alrighty, so I mean Jamal never ceases to impress. Always, always good stuff. Always good content. I mean, he really knows what he's talking about. And once again, I mean, just just a really good conversation. And and I, I mean, I agree with what he's saying. The Rams now seem like the clear cut favorite for the NFC. But there is still a part of me that's just I've seen Brady do it too much. I mean, he, he there's still a part of me that thinks. He, he, he can still find a way. I mean, I, I saw a tweet today that said, you know, all this just to lose to Brady in the, in the NFC Championship game. And, I mean, I don't know, man. It, 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 that could be the scenario because it just seems like Brady always finds a way. But I agree with what Jamal's saying. Their defense needs to figure it out. That is something that is, is very different from what it was last year. Obviously, the loss of Murphy bunting is, is a big one. But moving forward, they're, they're going to have to figure that out. And the penalties have been a big issue as well. So everything Jamal said was accurate there for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see the Rams moving forward and and how they dominate teams if they are such a dominant presence. And and it seems inevitably like they will be because of the two guys they're going to 
I mean, because of the guy they are going to add into their defense and the two guys they're going to have up front on their defense. Von Miller and Aaron Donald, I mean, two of the, the better defenders in all of football now on the same defense. And it's it shows you, I mean, the Rams are all in now. They really are. It, it, there's no way around that. The Rams are very much Super Bowl or bust for the next three, four years. And I've heard a little people, I mean, I've heard a little pushback from people about that, you know, not liking the fact that they kind of mortgage their future for the next four or five years. But listen, when you have Matt Stafford, 33, Robert Woods, 29, uh, Aaron Donald's 30, Jalen Ramsey, 27. I mean, you have to go all in on this window. There is no guarantee they are going to be a good team in four or five years. This is their Super Bowl window. So I don't hate the approach at all, especially if I was a Rams fan, because it's like, all right, now we are all in. We are win now. And, and that's really where the Rams are at. And, and I don't hate it one bit. I mean, I know it's going to make the future quite tough and, and sustained success for uh, you know a, a decade, over a decade, how they look the next decade. But these next three to four years are the Rams to lose if, if we're now looking at what they've built for a roster. Cooper Cup coming back off his injury and simply being Cooper Cup yet again. The Matt Stafford thing has really worked out for them. Bringing him in, it has taken them to the next step. You got to think that Detroit's in a position now where Jared Goff's been decent, but he hasn't been great. And it's almost like the Rams, that was a no-brainer for them. And it's a great move moving forward here when you look at the fact that the Lions might not even have their quarterback of the future in Jared Goff. They might have to draft a QB. So the Rams knocked that deal out of the park as much as they gave up some picks and as much as their future, kind of their distant future, looks a little gloomy. The near future and the right now looks like it's going to be a blast. Now, just to finish off the Cowboys and what I was saying about their win against the Minnesota Vikings, that's a big one solely because it shows that the team around Dak Prescott is very good. It's not just the Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and the high-powered offense show. It's not like they had the quote-unquote high-powered offense last night because it wasn't Dak Prescott at the quarterback position. So it was a very different approach, like I said. It was a lot, of, it was a lot more simple. It was a lot more 10 yards, get him the ball where he's supposed to be, and let's keep this thing moving, moving the chains. So what that shows me is they're more than just kind of the flashy pieces on this team. They are a good team all around. And the defense, as much as Minnesota, like Jamal was saying, has kind of a vanilla offense and it's very outdated, I still think the defense came up with multiple big stops and that's something you can't put a stamp on, especially in a game where all the pressure is on the defense. They were the ones that had to take it home knowing that they were on their backup quarterback and getting the news simply, I, I don't know, less than four hours before the game, I would I would think, because Chris Collinsworth said he was out there taking his pregame warm-up. So that was a big one for the Cowboys, and I think it shows how good this team actually is, and people can continue to sleep on them in the NFC because they're the Cowboys, and everybody thinks they're inevitably going to fail, and you, know, you look at kind of their last decade plus has really been pretty rough for this team when it comes to things like that, you know, the inevitable kind of fall apart. But right now, Everything is pointing in the right direction for this team. I don't think their schedule is, is overwhelmingly tough the rest of the way. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where, how this NFC shapes up. There's a lot of good teams, and that playoffs are the NFC playoffs this season are going to be all over the place. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to see some upsets, and it's, 
it's still to be seen if the Rams even make it. Who knows? Because there's that many good teams in the NFC. I mean, make the Super Bowl, obviously not the playoffs. The Rams are going to find their way in there for sure. I just mean in the NFC playoffs this year, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams aren't the ones to come out just because of how many good teams there are. But I do inevitably think they are the favorite. We will go to commercial and I will be right back. Time to pay a few bills. So hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatra on WNRI. Recent studies show germs are transmitted at self-service gas pumps. Don't put yourself at risk. Come to Murphy's Full Service Gas, where gasoline is pumped for you while you remain in the comfort of your car. At Murphy's, you pay the same low price whether you pay cash or credit. And free air for your tires for all our customers. Just look for the big green Murphy's sign on Social Street near the Diamond Hill Road intersection. Jacob Rowland Sons Construction is a family-owned business that does many type of masonry work at your home, business, or property. From chimneys, fireplaces, brick steps, block work, outdoor kitchens, veneer work, and other applications, they take care of whatever you need done and are known for their craftsmanship and the quality of their product. So give Tony a call at 401-744-4864 and see why more customers trust Jacob Rowland Sons Construction. And we are back yet again here with the Shat Chat Radio Show on WNRI. Like I've been saying, 401-766-1380, 401-769-0600. If you want to call in, chat with me about football, baseball, basketball, whatever you want, I am for it. Now, I do want to move to the Boston Red Sox, some of their off-season questions real quickly. I'll get to the Celtics at some point towards the end of the show. But quickly, I do want to send my condolences to the Remy family as Jerry Remy, the legend, the announcer, the player, second baseman, hometown kid, passed away. And it's, it's sad for everyone that is even remotely involved with Red Sox Nation because of his talent through the airways and his ability to make the games fun. I mean, you think about some of the moments with him and Don Orsillo doing the Red Sox games. They were a blast, those two. Obviously, the pizza throw comes to mind when the, the guy went for a foul ball and got a pizza thrown at him, and, and those two just couldn't get it together in the, uh, the booth. And then there was the man, uh, the, the two couples, the four, the four people next to each other, the two couples. The man got a little handsy. Remy made a little bit of a comment, and, and Don, for the next, I don't know what it was, two minutes, could just not get it together on air. I mean, it was flat-out silence. The Both of them just could not stop laughing, and, and that shows kind of just the funny brought to the booth, the funny brought to Red Sox baseball, and he will be dearly missed. And now I do have a caller, so let's get to that. Welcome to Shot Chat. What's up, Brad? It's Murph. All right, Murph, how are you? I can't imagine it's it's fantastic, but I can imagine you're doing all right. No, it, it, to be honest, it's it's not great. And uh, <laughs> This is about the Boston Celtics, watch. by the way. I just I want to preface yes, that. Yes, my, my normal life is doing fantastic. I'm very happy, but the uh, the Celtics are, are making me a little upset recently. Getting ready to watch them tip off against the Bulls right now. Yep. And 
to be honest, I'm not very optimistic. The Bulls, a team that made a lot of great moves in the offseason, the Celtics not so much. Um, obviously, I'm not I'm not happy with the way this offseason went, and uh, at the top of that list is the new coach who hasn't been uh, hasn't had the greatest welcome to Boston, and uh, I, I just don't know why we got rid of Brad Stevens. I mean, it's, it's a fair question because of kind of the way the season started. Obviously, there's still a long ways to go. But I, I, I think he, you made a lot of sense when we talked a little bit earlier about kind of why are you going to get rid of the guy that's good at coaching basketball for a guy that's supposed to have this great relationship with the players and get more out of the players. And it just does not seem like he's been able to do that through these first, I don't know, I think it's seven seven games, eight games so far. So, I mean, it's 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 a fair question. I mean, it seems like Brad Stevens always was able to put a good product on the floor, but it was kind of the, the the relationship with players was the question. The re- relationship with his players was really the question there. And I think he could kind of have that same question with Ime Udoka through these first however many games. Yeah. I mean, as an NBA fan, you you look at all the young stars, and one guy that jumps out to me that plays with the type of intensity that I want to see Brown and Tatum play with is John Moran. I mean, like, that's a guy who comes out in the regular season every night and is ready to go and brings the fire and wants to absolutely kill the other team. I mean, I have not seen that with Brown and Tatum at all this season. And that's, it's like you said, I mean, Udoka was brought in to get in the ear of of specifically Brown and Tatum. They They were a part of the hiring process. They were listened to a lot throughout the process, and this is their guy. And so far, I, I don't even understand how this could possibly be their guy. These guys have been missing for half of the games this whole year, and I'm talking about they've been on the court, but mentally they've been missing. And they, it, I just I don't like the direction that we're going in, and I have a feeling that sooner or later we might be seeing Brad back on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, whether it's next year, uh, you know, a few weeks about I mean, nobody at all can blame you for for not feeling good about the direction of the team because it's like three years ago, you couldn't have even imagined this is where the Celtics would be with with the way those two started out, especially Jason Tatum and the direction in which the team looked like it was going. And now it's it's anything but that. I mean, it seems like they had a real bright future and that's just not the truth at the moment. But another thing I thought you said that, that needs to be touched on here is I understand the frustrations with Ime Udoka and his coaching, but it also, I mean, there's no way to not point this to the players now because of the fact that they brought in a guy that's supposed to, you know, be in their ear and give them some motivation. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but, you know, have a connection with them and be able to bring more out of them. And they're just not doing that. It's very inconsistent so far. Uh, Jason Tatum's been in and out. Like you said, sometimes you, you look and you don't, where, where is he? Uh, Jalen Brown yeah. had had a great start to the season, I think that first game, and then all of a sudden he had three points going into the fourth quarter the other night. So it, it, it's the consistency is not there with this team, and they depend so much on those two guys to score a lot of points and, and do so much for them to be able to get wins. And if they're not performing, it's going to be a long season for the Celtics. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, is like if you listen to anything Udoka says, like in his press conferences, the guy says like all of the right things. He says everything that Celtics fans want to hear, but it's not translated to the court. What he's saying and what's happening are like two entirely different things. And one of the main things that I remember in his like his press conference when he became the head coach was that 
he did not think the Celtics passed the ball much in that as much as they should and that Tatum and Brown went ISO too much. And literally the whole start to the season, their whole offense has been predicated on Tatum and Brown going ISO. Like I don't get it. This this guy I, I do like him, like he seems like a personal guy. But what he's saying and what are happening are two entirely different things. I mean, you're completely correct because that has really been, I mean, the games that I've watched, that rings true. I mean, it's a lot of ISO with those guys. Go get your bucket. I think you've even seen a little bit of Dennis Schroeder ISO a little too much. I mean, he kind of looks like he's he's running around with with no specific purpose at times, especially in, in a big spot because he's the one that has the ball in his hands. But overall, there's not a flow to the offense. There's not a lot of ball movement, and they're not getting guys easy looks, if you will. I mean, when it comes down to crunch time, you we've seen Tatum and Brown take multiple highly contested shots. It, it, what Most people would consider ill-advised shots, but, I mean, like you're saying, it, it's not a team that's playing as a team. It's a lot of ISO, and that's not working because those guys aren't consistently showing up. I think last year, I mean, obviously, you had Kemba Walker. It was a little bit of a different scenario, but those were the guys that were showing up every night, even though there was so much ISO and such, and, and it's not the case right now and I think that is massively part of the reason they are struggling so much to start the year and and one more false bill of goods that I was sold before the year was that Udoka was going to help the young guys develop because the last few drafts I have been told that they they haven't developed the guys the way that they should the one guy who's been good this year who has developed a little bit is Lankford but Pritchard I think has taken a slight step back. We're, we're so early in the year, like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm overreacting. Up, until, up until this point, Pritch- I get what you're saying. Right. Pritchard, slight step back. They're not even playing Neesmith. Neesmith has, like, we've had, you know, five or six games. Neesmith had four DMPs. He's not even out there. Like, I First round a pick. Lot of, there's a lot of little things that are really starting to bother me, and I just, I really hope it works out well. I hope this is the guy. I hope. We do go in the right direction, but at this point right now, I'm not optimistic. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I, and, I, and I don't blame you. I think you make a lot of good points, and I'd have to agree with pretty much everything you just said. I mean, from what I've seen, that's really been kind of the story of this team so far, all the things you addressed. And you have a point about, was this move an upgrade? Did they, they take a step forward? Is, is this guy going to be better than Brad Stevens? And it, it just doesn't seem like that so far. But, hey, I appreciate you calling in, and hopefully, Absolutely. maybe, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> All right, Brad, I'll talk to you. See you. All right. I mean, once again, another good call. I mean, Murph made a lot of good points there, and they are all pretty much spot on. And that's been some of the issues here with the Boston Celtics so far. I think, once again, they're relying extremely heavily on two guys to bring it home, which is not a recipe for success. Uh, Like Murph said, I mean, they sold John the idea that there was going to be more ball movement. It was going to be more of a team effort. And it's been quite the opposite. It's, It's looked even worse. In some, uh, on some nights, you know, the whole ISO and, and two guys doing all the work. Another guy I touched on was Dennis Schroeder. I, I, I've heard that he's had some good games. I haven't watched every single Celtics game. That's why I'm not necessarily, you know, as knowledgeable as I could be. I mean, when I talk about the Red Sox, I watch every single game. But that's not the case with Celtics. But I've watched, it, uh, you know, a, a few games here. And one thing to me is, is Dennis Schroeder. I mean, I thought they got him a good value. I thought he was really going to be able to, to, to bring some value to this team. And I personally haven't thought that 
he's really been able to do that up until this point. I mean, I watched him one game in the last five minutes dribble all the way around, go baseline, and come back out and ultimately just wasted time on the shot clock, if we're being honest. But enough with the Celtics. They are in some trouble. It's not looking good where they're moving moving to this season. But I will be right back to finish the show off with some Boston Red Sox. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatraw on WNRI. Trinity Health and Rehab is a skilled nursing facility in the heart of Woonsocket with a long-term, short-term, and recuperating after a hospital procedure and in need of rehab services or in need of respite, we're here to help. They also have a fully secure Alzheimer's unit. Make Trinity Health and Rehab your facility of choice. Call 765-5844 for information. It's springtime, the right time to get an upgrade to your home, or how about that addition you've wanted? Print Construction can help, and all you need to do is call Scott Quinn at 401-996-3038 to set up an appointment to get the process started. Scott owns the small company manned by him and his son. They'll take care of any carpentry or construction needs you have, taking the utmost care and thoughtful professionalism to any project at a reasonable pricing to ensure your complete satisfaction. Call Scott Quinn this week at 401-996-3038 at Quinn Construction. And back for the final 10 minutes of the Shad Chat Radio Show here on WNRI. So like I was saying, I want to move to the Boston Red Sox because I thought last show, I, I talked about it for a little while, but I didn't get to kind of go in depth on some of these questions that I have surrounding this team. I talked a little bit about the guys, but you know what? I'm going to do it again. Now, one big question is Kyle Schwarber. Uh, do you bring him back because of the defensive questions around him? Uh, Lou Merloni is a guy that talked about how you know maybe he's kind of someone that that looks good and and feels good and and it seems like it could work but ultimately it just wouldn't and the reason he says that is because if you have jd martinez and kyle schwarber in the same lineup that means one of those guys is playing the field on a regular basis and i get it kyle schwarber is not the best defender but i do think he can come around with a full offseason with first base I mean, you split time with him and Bobby Delbeck at first base. Obviously, eventually, Tristan Casas should be brought up to the Boston Red Sox. Their number one overall prospect, a guy that has huge expectations for this team moving forward when he reaches the majors. And that will present some questions. But Kyle Schwarber can also play left field. He can also get out there, and he, he may not be the, the best outfielder, but it, he's going to make the easy plays, just maybe not a diving catch and, and saving a run. That's where... It would get a little bit frustrating, but I think his bat outweighs that. You have to look at what he did for this lineup the minute that he got in here for Boston. They made the trade to bring him in. We had to wait it out a little bit because he had some hamstring issues. He gets in the box, and it's like this lineup took a totally different approach, and and, and everyone had plate discipline all of a sudden. I mean, not everyone, but you get what I'm saying. It felt like he made a difference solely with his presence in this lineup. He's a guy that's not going to swing at strikes. I've never seen someone argue third strike calls that are balls and be correct more than Kyle Schwarber. He 
knows the strike zone better than the umpire does sometimes. And he brings all the value. And it's, an, it's a depth piece. I mean, he's right up high in Bloom's alley. Guy that can now play multiple positions. He can DH on some days. And if, God forbid, you have an injury somewhere and it, 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 it dictates him to, to play a more regular position, say first base, you know, the outfield, I just I think his bat outweighs the cons of him in the field. And he's he makes their lineup so much better to opposing pitchers. Now, another thing is Eduardo Rodriguez. I think I talked a little bit about him last week. I can live without Eduardo Rodriguez because I think that he's not going to accept the franchise tender. I would hi- I would be highly surprised by a move like that. I think he's going to free agency this year. He's trying to get his big deal. He's trying to get paid because this is when he should get paid. He had two really big starts for the Red Sox in the postseason. And he's going to dictate more than just a one-year tender. Bring him back and let's go back to the drawing board next season. I, that's It's unrealistic. And I think he's probably going to get paid a decent amount of money. I'm just hoping that decent amount of money is not by the Boston Red Sox because they can allocate that money to things that they very much need and find a replacement for Rod Rodriguez that would do a similar job that he did here in 2021. And I think Eduardo Rodriguez is a good pitcher. He's extremely inconsistent. You don't know what you're getting, but... I don't think he's irreplaceable. I think they can find another guy. I think they have some young guys here in Tanner Houck. Maybe they move Garrett Whitlock into the rotation. I'm not sold on that. I would like to keep him in the bullpen because of how good he's been. But either way, I think they, they're they not going to be in the worst spot if they move off of Eduardo Rodriguez. Keep an eye on the Oakland Athletics because they're a team that should sell. I mean, they just let Bob Melvin walk. It seems like they're kind of coming to terms that this is not the World Series team that you know, in uh, Oakland that they originally assumed. So Sean Manaya is a left-hander over there. Very, very good left-hander. He's been great against the Boston Red Sox, and it's something to watch. Maybe they can pull off a trade. Now, Christian Vasquez also has a team option. you got to bring him back. you got to bring him back. He's a guy that's a good defensive catcher. Everyone wants to talk about his hitting. It's not that bad. I mean, he's got an above-average uh, batting average for a catcher in the MLB. He's a good defender. He has a decent arm we got to stop pretending like the grass is greener on the other side. I mean, some of the stuff I see on social media is like he's the worst catcher in the league, and he is not. He's a guy that's very hot and cold at the plate, but when he's hot, he really can get that ball, flick it to right field, keep the line moving, and like I said, he's a good defensive catcher. He has the ability to throw guys out at second base. I mean, it's not something you can say for the catchers in this league. Multiple guys came into Fenway Park as members of the opposing team with averages below 200, and that's just not something that we want here in Boston for the catcher. As much as people think, you know, the Red Sox are going to bring in the next Yadier Molina for Christian Vasquez, that's just not going to happen. He's a guy that needs to be back here. I think he plays a big role in this team. And like I'm saying, there's not a lot of guys out there that are going to be upgrades from him. Maybe Mike Zanino, but you got to think about the strikeouts in that scenario. Bobby Dobick, you got to think about his future here with this team. Like I'm saying, Tristan Casas is on the come up. Kyle Schwarber might be back. How many reps can he actually get? Now, he is a versatile guy. He can play second base. His natural position is third base. I wonder if maybe they'll try and try him out in the outfield, see what he can do out there, make him even more versatile than he already is. But I also think there's a viable kind of wonder, do they trade this guy? He's a young guy that really came on in the second half after having a horrible first half. Never seen a turnaround like it. I've said it multiple times in the air. But he came around and he showed some real potential. He's got power in the bat. 
from the, the right side. I mean, he wasn't bad defensively at first base as much as Tony Maserati wants to tell you he was. And like I said, he can play multiple positions. There are There is absolutely a market out there for Bobby Dahlbeck. And you have to wonder if the Sox explore that because of their belief in Tristan Casas, because maybe they want to bring Kyle Schwarber back. I think that would make things a little complicated. Casas and Schwarber at first base, two lefties, wouldn't make a ton of sense. But that's where kind of the left field aspect of it comes comes into play. And you wonder, you know, if that prevents them from Kyle Schwarber, if they want to bring him back because Casas isn't a guarantee. You never know. But I do think Bobby Dahlbeck might be traded by the Boston Red Sox before this season solely because it kind of makes sense. Now, they'd be getting the right, rid of the right-hand bat. That's what doesn't make a lot of sense. But we'll have to see. I like Bobby. I hope they keep him. But I won't necessarily be shocked or heartbroken if they are to move off of him just because of where this team's future is headed. Now, the bullpen, my dad's never been right about anything sports-wise more than he was about the Red Sox bullpen. He's not liked them from the beginning, and the man was right. I mean, it's, it's time to move off of multiple guys. You got to think, Adovino's coming up on his deal, Garrett Richards, Hansel Robles. Robles is really the guy I'd want to bring back out of those three. I think that the Sox did something with his mechanics, did something with the way he pitches to get him in a good spot. I mean, he had a whole month with the Sox where he didn't let up a run. And he pitched some big innings for them in the playoffs. Yes, he let up some homers. But at the end of the day, that's a guy I kind of want back. I I mean, I I do want back. I shouldn't say kind of. I do. I I think he can give them valuable innings. And like I said, I I think they messed kind of with some mechanics there and kind of got the best version of Hansel Robles again. That's a guy that gets up there 97 to 100. I mean, he's going to throw the ball hard, and he's going to get you out. So we'll see if that's, if that's the move. Adovino, he's just too old, 36. I just, I, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to bring him back. Garrett Richards is a big question. You definitely don't bring him back on the money you paid him. I thought they overpaid him vastly with the one-year $10 million, But that was because they assumed he was going to be a starter. He was great in the bullpen. I would not be opposed if Garrett Richards is okay with being a bullpen option for the rest of his career. I wouldn't be opposed with the Red Sox bringing them back because I think he kind of thrived in that environment, You know, not knowing if he was going to pitch that day, but being ready to pitch every single day rather than kind of a fight. Five, uh, every five days schedule. But yeah, the, the bullpen needs a lot of work. They need a lot, And starting, they need a closer. Matt Barnes is not a closer. He can be a setup man. He can get you some outs in the seventh inning. But we need to stop pretending. I know he was an all-star. It, well, it, what happened the minute he got the out of the all-star break, the minute he got a deal, it, it, he fell apart. And it, it, I like Matt Barnes. I still think he can get them valuable innings once he gets his kind of mechanics back and, and, and he gets his swagger back. But he's not their closer. He's not their guy in the ninth. They need a closer this offseason. They need, they need to bring somebody in that they can consistently rely on in the ninth inning. Christian Arroyo at second base, I like him because he's a decently cheap option. I think it would be interesting to bring Jose Iglesias back, have those two kind of man the second base position. That's their nine hitter. I don't know why everybody's so up in arms about, you know, what they're going to get at second base. Those guys are their nine hitter, and, and they did a good job. The Both of them are, decent defen- are good defenders, decent at the plate. I- I'll take that. I'll take that all day. And obviously, n- number one priority this offseason you have to re-sign Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers on extensions. It, it has to be the priority of High and Bloom, and it's it's without a doubt kind of the biggest wonder and the biggest hope of this offseason for the Boston Red Sox. But there's no way around it. It was a successful season, but there are so many questions moving forward that they are going to have to answer. Now, thank you for listening to tonight. I'll be back on next week.
You've just experienced the newest trend in radio sports talk, Chat Chat with Bradley Shatroa. Tell your friends and fellow sports fans to tune in next Monday evening at 7 p.m. for the reason you listen to local radio. This is WNRI, Woonsocket.